Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name's Baron, And I'm Elsa. We've lived five years on the road in our 13-foot scamp trailer, exploring the backcountry of the West with our dog, Camp. Now, we dive into a new chapter as we build an off-grid home on our land in Colorado. Dang. We're back. Look at this new setup. It's like legitimate. And we got mountains, We're rocks, not, and trees. We've been recording into an iPad, into this teeny tiny little microphone for a long time. We upgraded. We got new Shure mics. Our old, Shure, well, our old mic was also a Shure mic, but um, these are... A little bit fancier. A little fancier. Not too much, though. Like... These are affordable mics. These are the affordable version of a really popular, common Shure MV7. How much were these? No, no. This is an MV7. I don't know. It was like 200 bucks a mic or something. Yeah. Our Shure MV88 that plugs straight into an iPhone, that's like 125 bucks. Something like that. 150 maybe. But these are cool because you don't have to use the XLR cables. We have them plugged in via USB-C right now. We're running both of them into one computer, so we don't have to have a mixer. I think eventually we'll probably want a mixer because then we can like hear both of us in the headphones and stuff. But this is just the easiest way to get a podcast going. There's been a lot of requests for the podcast to continue, and now we are going to be toying also with YouTube. Yeah, putting the podcast on YouTube because why not? We have this beautiful office space that we created almost for this. We need some kind of big picture yeah everybody us. has like a neon sign here yeah something we'll think of something or we should put camp on a pedestal right here yeah that'd be perfect in Spot a, on one of those like cat <laughs> yeah. climbing deals he would probably like that he would so first things first we're just gonna have a quick announcement baron and i are gonna be hosting this um kind of meetup presentation with fjall raven at the denver fjall raven store and we are so so Excited, so grateful. We love this. Is Fjall Raven? Do you have any other? Yeah, we're both wearing pants. pants right now. Some um, people, if you don't know what that is and you're just listening, it's that company that has the little uh, Arctic fox as their logo. The pocket or the pants with all the pockets that we both wear, and then all the time. A lot of our clothes are made by them. So we are so stoked to get to work with them and do this meetup. We're going to be talking about winter camping, nomad life. Um, about all the gear that we've purchased over the years and love. And if you sign up on the Eventbrite link, you will receive a 20% off code that night and you'll be able to have a beer. Um, Denver Beer Co., I think, is the, I think that's the brewery who, who's going to be supplying beer. So it'll be just a really, really fun night, our first ever kind of meetup. Yeah. And of all places to have a meetup at the Fjall Raven store. It's just too cool. Yeah. And hopefully we'll do more meetups in the future. It's just something that we've never done because we don't really know what to expect. So this is kind of a perfect opportunity for us to try this out and see how it goes and then learn from it so that next time around we can do something hopefully even cooler. For sure. So save your spot at the link. We'll leave that in the show notes and in the YouTube description. And now let's get into the bulk, the, 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 I want to say beef, the beef, of the, but that's not, let's get into the major part the of meat this. Of the meat 
let's get into the topic it's... that is today, the <laughs> podcast episode today. We're going to be talking about our land and the process of purchasing it. I think the last podcast episode we left off on was when right after we purchased it, right? That's what you said. I, I haven't looked at it in a minute. It has been a minute. We've just been, I don't know, ever since moving into the land, it just feels like nonstop. I was just journaling today about how my to-do list just... Um, <laughs> Doesn't end. Yeah, every day. And it seems like every time I do something, then that makes something else need to be done. Mm -hmm. Like the we got the new sparker ester for the scamp because the wind's been swirling all different directions. And then I install that, and of course it doesn't fit just easily, so I have to make a thing to make that fit. And then that spawns a number of new problems. And um, yeah. A lot of growing pains. Yeah, and it's all, it's all fun things to solve. It's just, it feels overwhelming sometimes. Your what? mic is definitely blocking your face. Oh, see, we're going to have to, we have a lot to learn. Chant it over to the side. I'm trying to make it so that I can look at Baron and oh. not have the podcast my or the mic in my face. But yeah, it's and I'm gonna, not trying work. to just look at the camera. <sighs> and to look at you, I'm looking at the camera, which is kind of strange, but I think it'll help. Because now we've got two party. mics for those not watching. Yeah. I know we said that already, but we had recorded into just one little tiny, like the size of an apricot microphone. And now we've got two. <laughs> An apricot. That's well, hilarious. I became very familiar with apricots over the summer. Yeah. And we're talking like not farmed apricots, but ones that grow naturally on. Uh, in our neighbor's desert land. Yeah. We're so stoked about our future here, especially after knowing that we're going to have a bunch of water. Okay. Let's get into that. Yeah. So a lot, a lot, a lot of people have been asking what the process of purchasing land was like. And that would have been nice for us to know as well. But for the most part, I think it is something that you can only learn by doing. But we're going to talk about the basics of kind of what we went through. And everybody's situation is going to be different. But we did gather some knowledge that maybe we it would have made the process go faster if we'd known it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And the first, first, first thing that you have to do is really nail down what you want in a piece of land. Why do you want land? All it's of, just, what? I, I'm just giggling because, of course, right? Yeah, it seems like, yes. <laughs> but there, there are just certain parameters and things that, I don't know. Well, we wouldn't have ever really had such a solid list if we hadn't been traveling around for so long and kind of making this list over a five-year time frame. Yeah, because we've been shopping for land for the whole time that we've been living in this camp. As we traveled, we would kind of kick around why or why not an area may work for us. And our list here. I was, I was looking at your levels and I'm wondering if I'm being too quiet. No, I don't think so. The list that we came up with, and add to these pieces if you want, but I'm sure. just going to go over the list. We wanted this land to be about an hour away from the closest major town. So not close to anything, any Home Depots, any Walmarts, just because we wanted to be isolated. Dry, we learned that in nomad life, it is so, so challenging to deal with a wet climate. 
Should we elaborate on these each as we go or just run through them? Yeah, if you wanted to. So as far as the lo- or distance from a big town, why did we want to be an hour away from places? Because we wanted to be isolated. Yeah, just so that, <laughs> so that there's less traffic, less people, less sort of busyness, right? Mm-hmm. Far, far away. Yeah. And we were I, okay with a serious drive to get up to our land too even. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people feel more comfort in the city or when they see a lot of other people. And I feel more comfort the further away from a city that I am. Do you think that was the case before we moved into the scamp? Yes. That was not the case for me. No. I didn't know any different. Yeah. And I remember talking when we first were moving into the scamp about what land we might want. And you couldn't really imagine being away from a major city. No, because it had, it was all I knew. It had everything I needed. Yeah. How in the world are we going to live 30 minutes away from Kansas City and operate our lives? Yeah. What, you mean we're going to have to drive like 30 minutes to the grocery store? Right. Yeah, that was, that was kind of where our (laughs) minds were, (laughs) or some of our minds at least. Yeah. And then I realized that when you've got it all set up, And when you've, especially now, we've got a space for food. Mm -hmm. We can sit tight. We don't have to be going to town all the time. Though we still are. We very much still are currently because we don't have a kitchen. And having a hardware store an hour away is not trivial. No, it's not ideal. And we've kind of struggled with that between (laughs) the two of us. Because whenever I'm at the hardware store, I'm like, okay, this is a tool or thing that I will need in the future. So... We should buy it now. And I'm like, yo, we don't have any space to put that tool <laughs> that we like, don't need right now. Dude, why do we have five saws? That's a great question, though. I think that we have six. I just watched a past video. and Each saw has a unique purpose. I believe you. I mean, I've surrendered to this. Yeah. So. And uh, I, I think building the office really helped you understand all the different tools that we have. Yeah, well, James and all of his tools, we couldn't have done this if he had not had all those tools. This would look very different if we did not have access to all the tools. So, yes, you are correct. Another thing that we were really, really looking for in land was something that was interesting. We almost were okay. I don't know. I mean, that's something that we wanted, but we almost surrendered to a really basic piece of land because we just felt like we needed to have security. But thankfully, we did not do that. We held strong. What do you mean by security? Just have it done? Have a space that we could legally go to with a scamp in the case of an emergency. Mm-hmm. Just own something is what we were kind of feeling like at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. But we held tight because it also felt secure knowing that all this chaos was happening and we were on wheels. So we could go anywhere. Yeah. That felt good. If a different state was more um, conducive to our way of living, we could jet to that state. We really wanted public land. Oh. Because almost kind of for that reason, too, to be able to have be bordered by the security of public land that wouldn't be changing anytime soon, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, like... Oh man, it's just so cool climbing up on the hills on our property and being able to look out and see for miles and miles and know that nobody's going to be able to build on that. There will never for be the a foreseeable target. Foreseeable future. No targets around the corner. 
for better or for worse. Yeah. It reminds me of my Mars dream. Probably won't go there right now. Okay. (laughs) No, I mean we can. We really wanted to be close to our home state, which is Kansas. And it's the very east side of Kansas, Kansas City. So when we were up in Oregon, we kind of realized that this is very, very far from our home base. Not that we want that to be our home base, but we still have both of our sets of parents are in Kansas City. Uh, All of our favorite friends. I would say all of our favorite friends. Our old friends. (laughs) Our longtime friends are all in Kansas City. That's just our home. We, Mm -hmm. We grew up there. So moving across the country, I don't know. Would just make it harder for those people to come out to us. Right. But. And I've always felt at home in Colorado my whole life. Oh my gosh. The mountains feel. It's unreal. Before we started traveling, you hadn't spent like any time in mountains, right? No. I mean, I'd been to Guatemala. I'd seen mountains, but I'd never, I'd never snowboarded till I met you. I'd never come to Colorado till I met you. Yeah. And I kind of, my family and I had been traveling to Colorado throughout my childhood. And every time we came out here, I would wonder why we would go home because it felt so much more like home than home did. So Colorado has been in my mind for a long time. And thank goodness because now it's in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It feels the vibe. You're at a higher elevation. So it's almost like higher vibe, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> the energy is is just different at elevation. And I like that you cannot really be up here. Like we're full time at above 8,000 feet. And that's not easy for people to adjust to unless you want to. And I love it. I love the grit mm-hmm. of being in the mountains. Yeah. And it's sort of a population control. The grittiness and snow and wind and all of the sort of inclement weather is difficult to deal with, so that keeps people out. Whereas in places that are have uh, more moderate climates, like California, for example, people flock to those areas because they're comfortable to live. But the uncomfortable places are cool because there are less people. Yeah, we've learned how to deal with discomfort and deal with changing and difficult weather patterns. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily enjoyable to be blasted with 60 mile an hour winds. No, wind's tough. Almost, I feel like it's harder than almost any other weather pattern. It is. Because I can be outside in the rain and snow, snow for sure. I feel like snow is probably the most enjoyable weather to me. Wind is just so discombobulating. Mm -hmm. It's loud and you can't see and it's cold. It can be destructive too. Yes. So is, are there any other, oh, we didn't want to be in an affluent place. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Kind of interesting. I feel like the scamp, scamp life has influenced that. But even beforehand, affluence is not something that we've ever really sought out Mm-mm. or the lifestyle that comes with affluence. Uh, I think people, when there's a lot of money around, get sort of taken by it. And the sort of higher property values lead to... Um, people wanting to keep those property values up or raise them. So then other people doing things that don't increase the value of their land are not acceptable. So it kind of uh, limits your freedoms, I guess. 
I, I mean, for sure. The um, acreage was something that we learned would play a factor in our area. In our water rights. Mm-hmm. The acreage influenced our water rights. So after a certain point of acres, you get more water rights. And that was pretty important for us, knowing that we wanted to have a greenhouse and a hot tub or two. And then we'll talk about this in just a second, but regulations... We wanted to be able to do what we wanted on our land. And surprisingly enough, we found there are a lot of places where you cannot do what you want on your land. There are very, very few places that you can do anything unorthodox on your land. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it does. Well, it. You can make it make sense. Yeah. But it's when you're out here in the middle of nowhere and they're telling you that you have to do this and that, this and that before you can live legally on your land it's kind of like what i just yeah why did i buy this yeah. and it, that's still something that i wrestle with mentally is and thankfully nobody's bothered us and all of our neighbors and people around here are awesome so we're and we're making progress and everything but just the when we first moved on to the land it was like okay we gotta hurry 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 you know so then it was like why don't we just not and live on public land yeah. You know? But then we'd be continuing everything that we had been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a thing. But we are legal on our land, and everything is good and fine. We're making progress, and our home should be complete by the end of 2022. <laughs> You're pretty ambitious. Well, we got to have it complete yeah, because I know. we're I, supposed to. I know. Well, yeah. I think... I think once we really get rolling on it, we'll make progress a lot faster than we think. Uh, maybe I'm, that's just because I'm like conservative in my thinking with it. Well, the thing is we have that some, that most other people don't is we have time. Mm-hmm. We don't have, uh, in the winter, it's kind of become a reality check that we don't have time in sunlight. Right. In the spring, we will have a lot of wind, but... We have time, and that will allow us to make this our one job. Right. Like the building of our house can be our full-time job. Yes, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we're going to figure that out, whether we're... it's getting an editor or or me not working so much on the house, because this is going to be a big part of YouTube videos is our house building. I think an editor, and if we had a friend out here that could work on the house with us and also help record... Or something to that effect. That'd be wonderful. It's going to be great. We just got to figure it out. And it might be a little bit different. But that will make it more exciting because sometimes the sameness gets boring. If you are a video editor, though, and think that or feel that you have a similar style to Elsa or could sort of replicate her style. That'd be rad. Let's talk. So the next thing after we nailed down, well, I mean, we've been nailing down our list of values and wants for our land for the entire time that we've been searching for land. The next thing that we did that I know not everybody has the luxury to do is we traveled around the United States and we went to all these places so that we could know where we wanted to live. That was a, we made a huge year, a huge summer one year going through so many different states Montana, like from Colorado up to through Wyoming, Montana, Washington, Oregon, because we really just wanted to see where we would like to live. 
And that was huge. I mean. What, what takeaways or like what things were you surprised by that we learned in traveling? That I remember Wyoming didn't feel like the energy that I wanted in a place to live, at least. And I'm telling you, we passed through Wyoming. We, we didn't really give it a fair shake. Yes. And that is, I mean, states are huge. So we didn't, of course, experience the whole state anywhere. Um, but I remember Wyoming being just, which is also kind of an appealing thing. It just wasn't, um, it's, and I don't want to say it's behind it was just more um, like I I bet we couldn't find a health food store, a little tiny health food store or yoga studio, you know, in middle of nowhere, Wyoming, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. What am I trying to say? Uh, I can't think of the word for it. Um, I don't think I want to say progressive because well, it's like the, like regressive, but it, it's not necessarily that. It's just yeah, it's not necessarily as progressive culturally. Because I do enjoy that. I yeah. like slower. I want that. And more old school. Yes. But it was almost like too sparse to mm-hmm. be conducive to the things that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like having a health food store, for example, was... Something that we really wanted. Yeah. Wyoming and Montana both also. Um, the bear territory there, it made for our scamp life... Um, we had to change everything. We had our kitchen instead of outside. We had it in the back of the car. And just the thought of having to deal with grizzly bears, though I know that locals, that's not even really an issue, not something that they're super concerned about. I think that we could grow to not have to be worried about that. But that was a worry for sure. Yeah, it was. A little dog. Yeah, that I. it was fun. Like it was a fun layer of... Um, I don't know, worry is the only word, but like a thing to think about in the background, just knowing that there are grizzlies around here made it, made life wild. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way though, here having mountain lions and rattlesnakes around it's, but grizzlies psychologically do something else to you than other animals do. I, me at least, I think you would very quickly get used to it, but that was an interesting thing to grapple with and think about. Washington and Oregon were wonderful, but on the west side of the Cascade Mountain Range, we couldn't have done that in the scamp. Mm-mm. All of that moisture, even moisture in the summer, that humid air just doesn't work. Yeah, we spent, what, like two weeks on the Oregon coast and got more rust on the scamp and mildew than we had accumulated in years. And... I love being near the ocean, but just dealing with humidity is difficult, especially when it's got salt in it. What I love about the Pacific Northwest is that you can go be in the dry climate and then one to two hours away is the ocean. Mm-hmm. And you can find all kinds of diverse plants, lots of foraging, lots of mushrooms. It's such an incredible place. I feel like Central Oregon is... Uh, or was a contender for us. Mm-hmm. Like I still, I feel very at home there too. Like it feels the, like the right mix of things. The trees feel like home. Mm-hmm. It's such a wonderful place, but everybody knows that. So it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we could have find or found cheaper areas, but um, it proved to be pretty difficult. And it again just came back to us just missing the mountains. 
the mountains just do something to us. Yeah, I love. And the Rockies are, so the Cascade Range is the range that is up in Oregon. And, um, or I don't know, one of them. And they're, those mountains are pretty sporadic. Like they're disjointed from one another. Whereas the Rockies are like a big continuous wall. And it's epic. Yeah. I, uh, both of them have their own appeal. Like the cool thing about the Cascades is they hold snow through, or some, mo- some of them hold snow throughout the whole year, mm-hmm. which is really That's neat. Um, but here they, the mountains don't necessarily hold snow all year, but you know, we can see a number of 14ers from our land, which is pretty exciting. It's amazing. Every day we look out and every single day. So, so grateful to be where we're at. Uh, something that I learned that was not intuitive in traveling was how much easier it is to live in the desert than it is in a, or a um, humid climate. Indeed. And uh, I believe high elevations are also often easier because the sun is so much more potent. For solar. Yeah. For drying clothes. Yeah. But uh, the desert... Just drying out everything because mold and mildew and uh, just moisture is something you're always going to battle living this way. And it's hard. I feel like I sweat more when it's more humid. It's harder to keep my clothes from getting funky. Whereas when it's dry, you can just hang your clothes up and they'll dry out and not hold a stench or whatever. And yeah, so deserts are super accommodating. Temperate climate too. Like the cold doesn't feel so biting when it's dry and like today it was low 40s and the sun was out with a little bit of wind and I was walking around comfortably with a t-shirt on felt like a spring day which is kind of scary late December yeah we were really hoping for some snow because we finally got a pass to a mountain oh my gosh snowboarding is the highlight of my whole life we the other day we're on a ski lift our first first lift going up and we haven't ridden in years probably um and elsa was like little kid happy it was the cutest thing i couldn't yeah it was just hilarious it is the closest thing to flying that i've ever experienced mm-hmm. outside of flying in an airplane it's freaking awesome mm-hmm. so we're crossing our fingers for some snow if everybody everybody could do snow dances that'd be great but i think everybody's missing some snow yeah i think late season hopefully we'll get i'm sure we'll get blasted day. mm-hmm because that seems to be what and always for, happens. We just want snow on our land for YouTube, too. It's just it's so beautiful. Fun. It really brings out the contours of the rocks mm. and the hills. It's just gorgeous. The mountains look so much bigger when they have snow on them. It's incredible. So we chose Colorado, clearly. And something that we learned doing research, because the next thing we were kind of doing is... Okay, we love Colorado. We want to be here. Let's look for cool properties. And we did that. Got on Zillow, got on Realtor.com, looked for cool properties. And then we'd go kind of research, do more. We'd go look into the zoning laws and building code. And it just seemed like, oh, my gosh, so many rules in all of these places that had this cool land. So that began becoming um, really challenging. And then we finally learned that, okay, wait, stop, stop. Let's pick counties that have the kind of regulations that we are looking for in a place to live. Mm -hmm. So we cut the search. 
started looking into certain counties. There were two counties that aligned with what we wanted in Colorado. And then we started just limiting our search on Zillow and Realtor.com and these apps to these two counties. Something else that kind of freed us up is that there's no power or any utilities running to our land. So you're kind of free to do things. Yes, that's true. Yeah, like there's no, the county isn't holding the, they're giving you access to the power lines over your head or anything because you have to do that yourself. Clearly that's I think that's that a top to tip for sure. Yeah. That wasn't exactly what we were, it wasn't a priority to be off grid. Well, a, a lot of these things that we learned are retrospective. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know, I, I think I found it out while we were entertaining this land, but the how much land you have to have to have certain amount of water rights and things like like access to um, electricity. I thought that would be a bonus, but now retrospectively, I'm glad that we don't have that because it sort of frees us up and we can kind of do our own thing. Because we don't have power for them to cut off. Right, and same with plumbing. Not that we're trying to break the rules, okay? We're trying our best to abide by them. It's just some rules are difficult to abide by. They're pretty lame. Yeah. So we chose our county. Then we started looking for land. And somebody asked a question. So these points are all based on, we asked on Instagram what you wanted to know about the land. Thank you for submitting. But the next thing is how to choose a budget. And this was a little bit situational. Yeah, that's so subjective. And so... I think that kind of goes into whether or not you're going to finance it, right? Because... Yeah, that changed things for us. Yeah, because we were hoping or thinking that we were going to finance our land because it was hard to find anything within our budget. And should we just talk about what we paid for it and stuff and just... I think that that's fine. Everybody's just so afraid of talking about money. Yeah, I don't really I guess it is what it is. Yeah. Our land was about a hundred grand and we had saved up that money for the whole time living in the scamp. I think that's why I don't like talking about it is because people who I have said that to say, oh my gosh, you had a hundred grand kind of like, why, why did you spend it on this is almost how I I feel like what, what you had a hundred thousand dollars. What were you doing? You're making so much money, but this was five years of living in a trailer with a one one time fee (laughs) (laughs) we saved money for so long yeah and it was really kind of burning a hole in our pocket we wanted to get it into something and yeah because you don't just want to have cash in the bank because of inflation and everything and i don't know i think people could argue either way and say that you should invest in mutual funds or whatever in stock market and everything but i think land is one of the best places that you can store money because we're not getting any more of it. So it's not fiat. I don't know. This is, there's a conversation to be had here too. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, land is one of the best places that you can store your value. In the beginning, we were working with a lender. Baron called around and we were working with a lender and we were thinking that, okay, let's, um, finance this because I don't know my my dad said keep your cash well and that's the that's the advice that most people would give and I don't think it's bad advice at all 
that like use spend other people's money is like the mantra. But they were asking for 50% down because it's um, raw land. There's no utilities. So the interest rate was really, really high. Excuse me. Because the bank perceives a higher risk to raw land because they can't turn around and sell it as easily as they could a place that has a house on it. So they're kind of, if, if you default on your loan, the, la- the bank is kind of stuck with raw land that's hard to flip. So the interest being super high plus 50% down, it was like, gosh, that's a lot of money to put down. Let's just send it. Well, actually what happened is I had applied. Everything was like going through. We were about to do the whole process. But she then emailed me saying that she didn't get my application or something. Something that was like, are you kidding? What? And we're working with small town stuff and it makes sense. And I could have continued pursuing it and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But we just took that as we were already on the fence, not knowing if we should finance or do cash. Well, instinctively, both of us wanted to pay cash. Yeah, we wanted to pay cash. Because that's how we like to operate. I don't like playing the debt game. Right. I understand that it can be beneficial, but... The higher-ups in our life were saying we should do yeah. finance. But I just, it's just cleaner and it's easier on my conscience to not owe anybody money. And we've done so well at eliminating our debt over yeah. the last five years that why then go into a huge amount of debt? But... I understand that, like, there's benefit there's to that. There's definitely an argument. Yeah. Yes, to be for made sure. Either way. But with that uh, email from that lady, we just decided, okay, this, let's follow our gut now. And we paid for it in cash, which also made the whole process so much easier and quicker. And it is kind of a thing where once it began, we were so invested. We wanted this land so bad. And we'll kind of talk about this at the end, but. We wanted this so bad that to get it done was very important Mm -hmm. because it felt like everybody then was coming up under us and trying to steal it. Nobody was. It had been on the market for so long. It's pretty undesirable to most people, this property, which is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It's undesirable, I guess I should say, because it's rocky. It's hilly. It's uh, not a desirable shape. You don't have utilities. You don't have internet. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's perfect. We love it. So we ended up not going with a lender. Um, finding a realtor. That's the next thing that re- was really a big struggle for us. I mean, we found one easily. Yeah, we called one and talked to her many times. Yeah. Uh, it was just tough because I think when people know that we're young and stuff, they just don't necessarily take us seriously. And I don't think there is probably a lot of money to be made in selling raw land um, as compared to... A house. Yeah, land with a house on it. Especially when you're looking at land that's, you know, less than $200,000. Yeah, there's just not a lot of money to be made and it's hard to take people seriously. because I'm sure a lot of people have this sort of pipe dream like we did, mm-hmm. but I don't think a lot of people will probably execute on it. So it was tough to find a realtor that would take us seriously. Um, Bummer for her, I well, guess. Well, but I'm sure she spent her time she making really money nice. elsewhere. Yeah, she, she was, was really super nice. sweet. It was a bummer, and I would have done the same thing. 
maybe. I don't know how what the business is like, yeah. but had, did she see us in person? No. Oh, that's good. Because so, then she really would have thought that we were not serious. Right, because we're young and hippies. Dirty. Yeah. Um, but the realtor that we ended up working with was, so we called our, we called the listing agent that had listed the property and they sent out somebody to look at the property with us that ended up becoming our buyer's agent. So our buyer's agent was in the same firm as the listing agent. And it ended up that the listing agent was our buyer's agent's mother, which didn't um, instill a ton of confidence in us because the buyer's agent you would hope is negotiating for you. And in the contracts and stuff, there's a lot of, uh, there's some things that you want to be careful of as far as like that situation goes. Um, so our real estate agent was pretty green, like pretty fresh. So he didn't, and I don't think that he probably interfaced with a lot of raw land selling and purchases. So he didn't have a lot of the answers that we would have liked for him to have, which forced us to ha do all the research on our own, which ended up being a blessing at the, in the time it was pretty frustrating. Um, we learned a lot, but yeah, we learned a lot and now we know where to access information and who to call on everything. But in doing that, I think if I were to look for an agent again and know that and knew that I was buying raw land, I would look for an agent that specifically deals with buying and selling raw land. I did not know that there was an etiquette to the real estate thing as well, that we just called and wanted to see the land. We called the listing agent and wanted to see the land. And they said, okay, I'll come out and look at it with you. That in regards to etiquette means that you are kind of stuck with them. He's taken his time to come and show you a property. So now you're working together. And you're I did kind not of committed. I not, didn't know that. Not legally. Because no, we never signed a contract no. saying that he was our realtor. No. But as far as like then reaching out to another agent, realtor or whatever, they'll be curious as to if you've like worked with somebody else and not to step on each other's toes. And especially in a place that is so rural. Yes. It is taboo to switch. Yeah. But, it, and we, again, if you sign a contract with a realtor, that does mean that you are locked in. Mm -hmm. They will, um, that's, that's done. We didn't sign on with this guy, but we learned from, um, we had so many incredible people in our lives that we were able to contact people who had purchased houses, just, um, kind of our wonderful el elders. We had so many who gave us a ton of advice, but they said that um, it would be in bad form to go and uh, do this with somebody else. So we kind of were stuck. But he was good. Like he nice person. did everything fine and it was easy. It was just finding out information about anything that wasn't on the listing. Well, was and he, we tough. were also on the outskirts of his kind of region. Right. So I think that this was just... And it was kind of out of his wheelhouse because it's raw land. Mm -hmm. So I don't blame him at all. It was just our bad for not finding somebody who was... But in our defense, we're in a pretty rural area and there's not a lot of people to choose from as far as agents go. For sure. So... But also we... I mean, we... It was kind of interesting that we were both learning together, mm -hmm. us and this realtor. Well, it, technically he was our buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference? I don't know. Oh, the whole thing. It's like buying a car. Yeah. There's so many people when it's like, just 
can you take my money and I'll have this land, please? We did talk to the seller. We got on the phone with her after raising some concerns with the buyer's agent. Um, and that was really cool. I don't know if that happens often, but we were able to talk to her and learn about the land and felt really comfortable moving forward and just sending it, making the final purchase. And that felt good. Yeah. It was a really big, really stressful learning experience. We both lost hair. We did. And yeah, it was not, if it was cool to, it's cool to have done it, but in the moment it was really stressful and uncomfortable and nobody really had the answers. Like you could call anybody and it was like, they would tell you their perspective. But then at the same time, I'm like, I care what people's input is, but at the same time, I have my own thinking and it's a subjective experience. So it's yeah, hard. Yeah, we to... had to make our own choice. Right. The These next two questions are kind of in the same vein. How long does the search take? Um, and how do you know when to let go? I guess how long the search takes is totally subjective. I, all of this is. But in our experience, I guess we were searching sort of uh, partially for five years, taking note of everything that we liked and didn't like wherever we were. This is a little bit maybe woo-woo, but we knew we knew that the land would appear for us when it was ready, when the time was right. So for the first three years, we didn't actively search for land at all because we just knew that we weren't quite ready. We were still really enjoying the scamp life. We still really enjoy it, of course. But then something, well, COVID happened and it was like, gosh, this is what we want. I feel like this is what we need to form some more security. So let's try to make this happen. And we started then looking at listings in Oregon while we were there, we came back to Colorado and really started figuring out all the search and the county and everything, all of those elements. But really once began. we really put our feelers out and tried, it materialized a lot quicker than I would have anticipated. Well, cause we knew what we wanted. We yeah. knew how to, and we, oh, <laughs> we did this with our first apartment too, but we didn't go see anything else but the land that we bought. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you get a pretty good idea online. No, you don't. Kind of. Not I with mean, this land. Yeah, the pictures of our land were terrible. Just a little bit of advice. If you're trying to sell a place, just take some decent photos with an iPhone. Well, hire a photographer. There's a lot of yeah. photographers who do real estate. Well, yeah, but at least, you know, yeah. at least like go out and walk around on it and take some photos. Yeah, make it look good. this place did not look desirable and we kind of stumbled into it. Well, because we happened to find a camping area that was very, very close and then got online. You, I think we probably talk about this in the most recent mm -hmm. podcast that happened a long time ago, but we just completely, I don't know. I just was like, let's look, let's see what's in this area. And there was a lot two miles away from our epic campsite and we went to go see it and driving up, it's unbelievable we don't show a fraction of the beauty on youtube just out of privacy for our neighbors and ourselves and ourselves of course yes good point <laughs> for sure but it is unreal it's unreal so we just said yes this is ours and yeah we had filtered uh 
the land down so much that we knew exactly what we were looking for. So when we got here, it was like, okay, this meets all the parameters that we've been looking for. The one that it didn't meet was a creek. Yeah. But a creek in Colorado, good luck. For real, that's and we see that on YouTube a lot. Is I thought you guys wanted to be in somewhere more lush, somewhere more, more beautiful, Colorado. Like, why did you choose the desert? And it's like, well, shoot. It, let me know if you can find anything for the same price that has. I don't know. It's when you really start looking, you see how expensive all these things are, and how the reality of finding land like that is very slim unless you have a ton of money. And with. The lush trees come with a lot of moisture, typically, too. And forest fires yeah. and beetle kill. And shade. So the, I I understand. Like, when we first moved into this camp, if I were to come out here, this I wouldn't be like, oh, this is the perfect, most ideal place to live. But knowing what I know now, it is. I think that's why the reaction of our friends and family who come out is uh, not... So shining is because they have that same mm-hmm. thought as what? Which I get it, but I kind of don't care. <laughs> well, we can't care because we chose right. it for ourselves. Right. For With all of our own values. Right. They can go and choose another land and we'll go visit them and it'll be a great time. Or not. <laughs> well, we would. It'd be fun. I can't wait. Um, There was one piece of advice that, who was it? My mom's, one of my mom's best friends from way back. She's a realtor in Kansas City. On the phone, we were talking about price and how to, how to ask for lower, how to negotiate and stuff. And we were thinking of offering, I think we started offering 10 grand lower than the asking price. And she said that at the end of the day, because they countered then back up five and she said, if you will feel immense regret for not having this over $5,000, you should just pay, like, what's that $5,000 worth? Five grand or having the land that you so badly want? Like, what's more valuable to you? And that think, r- really made a difference in our decision. It's tough because I think for a lot of people, there's an ego thing to negotiation. And it's like, yeah, I talked him down X amount. Which, well, everybody wants a good deal. Yeah, and we totally wanted a good deal. Um, but it's, I think you can get yourself into a bind where you're trying to negotiate off as much as you can to where you might lose the deal, and then you lose access to the perfect place. And it's like, okay, is that worth your five grand or three grand or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And in our like the context of us, we have no intention. And I know people are like, well, you might sell it. So, and I understand that we might sell it in the future, but I feel like that's highly unlikely. So the value, the perceived value that other people have of our land is, doesn't really matter to us because we're not really planning on selling this probably ever. Even if we decide to move somewhere else or whatever, I think we'll keep this because it's so valuable. We understand the value of it personally and think it's an awesome thing. So the value that we had to pay for it was worth it to us, given the financial situation and everything that we were in. We're absolutely so in love with this area. And we are so grateful to get to be tenders of the land Mm -hmm. and really just put it into its, help it be its best self and, and vice versa. 
help it become our best selves. And the idea of land ownership is still strange to me, but that's the culture that we live in. So there's really no way around it. Like we did the way around it for a long time living nomadically, but I don't know. It's always kind of a game of cat and mouse because authority figures don't like the idea of people living full time on the road typically. And we want to use this land to help the world, help our community, help our internet community have a place to come in the future. I feel like this land is almost in a way it will be beyond us. It will be more than us. Mm -hmm. It's not just for us. So we're treating it with respect and we understand the immense, um, what's the word? Responsibility. Responsibility and privilege. It's huge. And we are grateful beyond, oh, beyond words every single day. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So now, is there anything else you'd like to add on the process of purchasing land? I know this is kind of all over the place, but. I Not that I can think of. It, I just know that it's going to suck, but it's worth it. You know? like If it is worth it to yeah, you. Yeah, if it's worth it to you. But it, yeah, it's it was tough. It was like as easy as it could be, but it was still miserable. And I think a lot of that is just factoring in, like thinking about what's happening. But at the same time, for us, it was like we're exchanging this number in a bank account for this ultra tangible piece of land. So in that context, it's like, yeah, take my zeros, you know, but, um, I don't know. That was a hard thing to sort of grapple with, but I'm glad that we did it. But just prepare for it to suck. And no matter how much research you do, there are like strange questions that don't necessarily come up that you're going to have to deal with. So now, second most popular question is what is it like being planted? How do we feel about not traveling anymore? It's freaking awesome. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I think for a lot of people, the nomadic lifestyle is like a dreamy way to travel. Yeah, to see stuff and venture out. And we experienced that too, but that wasn't our initial intention at all. It was more of a practical way to... How do we survive? Yeah. And how do we like save money? Because living in the city and paying rent and everything, we were unable to make enough money to like have any surplus to be able to like move into buying some land or whatever. Because we tried to do that when we were in Kansas City, but we just couldn't. There were no ways to make that happen. So this was more of a means to an end than it was like a super exciting and it was super exciting. We had a blast and everything, but it was more of a... um solution to our financial woes than it was a way to travel. And I think I say that it's awesome in the way that I do because nothing has really changed other than we have one safe space to be Mm -hmm. and we can expand. We have an emergency food supply. We have uh, a place for camp to walk. We have this office. It's just been nice to establish roots and we would like to have a family in the future, so we were kind of moving toward this anyway, either buying a house or building a house. So just knowing that that's coming is exciting and wonderful. And there's no more people on our back. Well, 
it's brought a whole new situation of people on our back. But uh, once we have this house built, we will be In the free clear. and clear. And we are going to only buy or only build what we can afford. Mm-hmm. So we will come out of this with no mortgage. We will. There's we're we're only going to be building what we can afford, and that's part of why we chose the area that we're in. Um, the only debt that we might incur in the near future is that of a cyber truck. We've been well, we kicking around that idea. We haven't decided on if it's going to be a cyber truck or we go back and forth with the yeah. cyber truck uh, because it would just be so capable and it would be so much solar power, so yeah. much battery power. Um, so we could sort of augment our solar of our house by having the cyber truck. And then if we need more power, we can drive it to town. And charge it and then come back and then you have a surplus of power, which is pretty cool. It is. And it's just a beefy boss mobile. We yeah. realized hunting that there are some gnarly roads that the Subaru could handle. I got my eye on, well, we got the new tires, which can get us just about anywhere. It's super thick sidewalls and everything. But I've been looking at some coilovers that are adjustable that I think would make a big difference. So... I think those are in the Subaru's future. But what we've been kicking around is the idea of, this is this could be a whole podcast, but we'll go through it quick. The idea of like an older truck and investing, you know, some money into an older truck to um, make it perfectly capable. And that's kind of what I, with just dealing with the stress this year of putting in a new engine, new transmission, basically making the Subaru a new car. It was so stressful and such a pain to then have another thing go wrong and another thing go wrong. And I had thought that I would really rather not go and buy and build another vehicle. I'd rather not do that. But all the people out here have such cool cars that they've put money and time into and have taken care of. And it just kind of seems like that's that's cool. Oh, gosh, I just cannot imagine driving a cyber truck around these tiny little towns i cannot imagine and i need to just drop my ego because it's a cool car but i don't, I don't even know if it's going to exist though i mean i, I think it will but that's another thing is how long do we put it off because uh, i'm attracted to the idea of getting like an older first gen tacoma like up to a 2004 and swap or just investing into that to make it mm-hmm. awesome because it's a little truck that's super capable and I think that would be super fun. Just get a stick shift old um, Tacoma with uh, like four wheel or yeah, four wheel drive and a low end gearbox and everything and then putting a supercharger in it and I mean, that and would be super fun. Learn that the older cars like the Subaru work better for us than the newer foresters. I yeah. don't know why, but you've said that that's the case. So having an older truck, I don't know if we have the money, same amount of money, putting it into a really reliable old truck versus a Raptor or something. Yeah. I don't really necessarily want a Raptor either. No. I would rather have like a, a badass old truck. Old, old truck than, yeah. I just, understand that's not the normal sentiment though, so it's... Yeah, this could be a whole podcast. I have a lot more to say. Somebody asked for that topic, so maybe we'll get into that. 
anything else about what it's like being planted. The the biggest thing that I feel is relief because I don't do well with um, authority figures or people holding things over my head at all. <laughs> so then when forest rangers would come over and yeah and bother us, it's just like leave me alone. Like just let me leave, live my life. And it was super infrequent. But 9.9 .9 out of 10 rangers they're were all incredible. So cool. But then we've had, there were a couple that were just on a power trip and just dicks. And that's, um, I don't know. It's just humanity. I have all the respect in the world for rangers and police and everything. But when people like flaunt their power and are sort of getting in your face for things that they, like, they should just have better things to do than bother us. So the idea of, and then whenever, like even getting pulled over and having to tell an officer like that we don't necessarily have an address, you know, it's like you almost have to lie to them to, um, like not cause a problem. And the last thing I want to do is lie. So that is tough. Um, I mean, it was worth it for sure. And I think over time, hopefully laws will sort of flex to where they're more accommodating to full-time nomadic living because um, it seems like something that needs to happen for our culture. But uh, yeah, that was tough. So then not having to deal with that and just knowing that we can be here and that's fine. And then another thing that's sort of, I didn't anticipate is we've actually been able to like travel more mm, mm -hmm. now that we're here because we can leave the scamp and it's cool. And we can, you know, go travel like we did to go hunting or on trips, backpacking trips and everything. Bikepacking. Yeah, because otherwise we would have to find a place to keep the scamp and all of our equipment and stuff. And that was just always really difficult. But now we can travel more um, because we can leave the scamp where it is. And It's opened up so many new adventures for us. Mm -hmm. I also, I don't miss moving every 14 days. I... I don't not miss it, though. I think the what made that awesome was that we could choose where we wanted to be. If a, a terrain was not ideal for us and we wanted to go be by a creek instead or something or be warm, whatever, we could do that. And every two weeks, you'd kind of have a fresh start, and that was really nice. The process of moving was kind of a pain in the butt. It got so much easier, though. Yeah, when we first we started, it was like a point of contention, like... Anytime we moved, we would, not every time, but we would get in fights. Well, because it's hard. Yeah. It's so hard. And it was stressful. But then we learned, you do the outside, I do the inside. Everything kind of has a place. Once we kind of um, fixed the interior a little bit, made it a little easier to pack up. And we always just kept our load very, very small. Always. We couldn't have stuff. A big thing, too, was taking our time when we were moving. Once we learned to not be, like, in a rush to get somewhere, and it's like, this is going to take as long as it's going to take, and there's no way of getting around that, then that just eased the friction a lot. And that first day that you unpack and you're in the new spot, everything is really clean and organized, and it's just a fresh new start every two weeks. Really fun. I did enjoy that. I don't want it back, per se. Because I know it's going to be happening again in our future. Yeah, we'll do it again. Because you know what? What we want to do with our lives now is have our house, have the house be the home base, and then be able to take the, the scamp out 
every hunting season and go to our different states where we have tags and hunt and fish hunt. and forage. Just build up our food supply for winter because we know how to live in the scamp. So we'll just live in the scamp for the fall season and then come home for the winter, put it all in the freezer. I don't know how we're going to keep, I don't know the details, okay, but that's what we want to do is the scamp is not going anywhere and we are not done living in the scamp. It's just going to look a little bit different. And that's one of those things too that's like the value of it. Like, why don't we sell it when we get a house? And it's like, there's no amount of money that I would trade for the amount of freedom that the scam provides. Well, why don't you get a newer, nicer trailer? Because this one's awesome. And it's already done. Yeah, we did just put a new axle in it last fall. Yeah. It is done. It's perfect. And we can beat it up and not feel bad about it. Right. Maybe you might like to have a scamp that's a little bit taller in your future. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean... But if we bought a newer scamp, we just immediately got it. So, mm-hmm. but you've heard all this. Yeah, that we almost we had the money in hand for some buyers to buy us a new scamp a couple of years ago, that was taller. But the thing was, and the reason we wanted that one is because it didn't have a fridge. It didn't have a I don't know. It was for some reason a really bare model. But then it fell through, and that was destiny. Um, plans going forward with our land. And house and stuff, we've been working on a house design and we have some friends that are architects that we actually met through YouTube and they're so cool. And they've been asking us a lot of... They have a little Sheba. Yeah, he's so cute. Um, But they've been asking us a lot of questions that get into our minds like we can't get into our own minds and that's been really interesting. But we kind of have a model that we've been kicking around mentally and you've been drawing out that we just put into SketchUp. So which is a 3D program. Yeah. So maybe we could I'm sure we'll show that in its entirety in a future video. I'm nervous to it show goes. it because people have so many opinions yeah. and they haven't even seen it that everybody has such great well most people have really great advice and they just want to help but it's an, another one of those things where we are the ones to make the decision we're the ones to be living in this that I'm afraid to get a bunch of people saying that it's a bad design or that we should do something else and just completely change our idea because we've thought about this for a long time mm-hmm. but if uh, Dylan and Casey are like well, you should probably do this different then we'll say okay <laughs> they're the ones with the Sheba the architects okay. yeah Um, but something that we definitely want to integrate into it is a small greenhouse that's like part of our house. Earth ship kind of style. So that way we can start working with different plants and stuff and growing to see what our greenhouse might look like in the future. Yes, because you made a great point the other day that we really want to build a greenhouse, but why don't we start with a greenhouse in our living space? Let's start small. It's like everything. Yeah. And reading Ben Falk's book, um, The Resilient Farm and Homestead, he's super awesome. I've learned, like, anytime I pick up that book, I have epiphany after epiphany reading. But um, he has, he's like, assigns different zones in your property. So, like, a zone zero, you pass by every day. Zone one, you have to, like, slightly go out of your way to get to. Zone two, is somewhere that you visit, you know, once a day, maybe that's not exactly the zones, but it's something to that effect. So having our greenhouse in our house, we'll be able to really keep tabs on all the plants and keep an eye on them and really take care of them. Whereas if they're all the way down the hill or, you know, 
a long walk, we won't like spend as much time with them. So we won't be able to really take care of them as well. Mm -hmm. So to sort of keep them, keep our plants and food that we're growing as close as possible will hopefully help us take better care of them. Similar situation to a shop. We would like to build a nice big garage shop where you can work on cars, you can do any kind of building projects like that away from our house. Mm -hmm. We would like to have that. But we're going to build a one-car garage that's a little bit wide onto our house so that we can have a micro shop there. Just start everything really compact and see where we want to go from there instead of jumping into a bunch of stuff because, like we said, we're only building what we can afford. To me, having a garage feels extravagant. I know. <laughs> but... Um, the poor Subi, she deserves it. Yeah. And with all the pack rats, like I was changing the oil yesterday. That's why if you saw my hands are so like dark from changing oil and from the creosote on the pipe. But I've been doing a lot. The I pulled out our air filter and I thought I had gotten all the cacti out, but the, the rat had put cacti in underneath the air filter. That's a problem. So I got all that out, but just having to, or not having to worry about pack rats getting into our car and chewing wires and stuff it will be so worth having a closed in garage. And then just being able to pull the car out and having our like woodworking equipment and stuff in there so that we have a closed-in space to work in the winter and to work on our dirt bikes and everything, I think that'll just be so nice. So I understand that a garage is extravagant, but I think I mean, the utility is worth it. I think mostly myself, but <laughs> yeah. And we're probably going to build this in a way that is one step at a time. So build the first main section, which it is might the even kitchen. be the garage and, first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of leaning on people who know more about this than I do, but we want to be able to build it in sections so that we can finish one part and that's done and use that while we build the next section. And eventually we may add a couple rooms like onto the side if we want to have a spare bedroom, spare whatever, but we met a friend or we have a friend that was talking about this around the campfire the other day and he was talking about a moron house <laughs> and he led into it with, yeah, it's, it's just a, I call them moron houses. And I thought it was like, <laughs> Oh no, where's he going to go with this? It'll be brutal. But he said that all these houses, you can see the people have added more on over time. So we want to plan to have a moron house effectively <laughs> so that we like, we know that, okay, we're starting out with one bedroom but then, you know, once our kid's four years old or whatever, if we want a second bedroom for our child or if we want a, uh, an extra bathroom or whatever, just build our house so that the foundation and everything is ready for whatever expansion we decide to do in the future if we do decide to do that. Because something that's been tough for me is I would like to have as small a house as possible that just meets our needs because that, like, feels cozy in my mind. But... I know for sure that we want to host people. So we have to have a big enough home or a big enough situation. I don't know if it's like a um, second unit or whatever to be able to host friends and family and, and like have people come out here. Because it takes a while to get here. Yeah. So to be able to offer that to these people to stay. And also so many people have 
offered us their homes and their kitchens and just their spaces. So to be, we have to return the favor. Yeah. So it's ironically like it would be selfish for us to build a house that was only big enough for us. But well, I think we're gonna build it. Arguably, most people would look at it and be like, "That's." How do you live in there? Yes, <laughs> but anything outside of the scamp is going to feel like a mansion to us. But we're gonna design it so that we can have people. It's it's a really cool design. I I do want to show it to people because yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited. But we're gonna be altering that in the future. Clearly, do we have any other updates? Remember the Fjallraven Raven things on the what nineteenth? January nineteenth at six thirty p.m. at the Denver Fjallraven Raven store. And we're talking twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty two. Oh, it will be twenty twenty two. January. Yeah. So you'll and you want to sign up on Eventbrite, right? Yes. Uh, there's a limited amount of seats. I don't know if there's going to be chairs, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So make sure you go and reserve your spot so that you get your coupon, you get your beer. It'll be a really great time. Really great time. I can't believe it. It's just quite an honor, truly. Are we good? We're very good. We're so good. This has been really fun. I can't wait to get the podcast really up and rolling again. And if you have podcast topics, um, hit me up on Instagram or get on our Discord. Or leave it in the YouTube comments. Oh, yeah, because this will be on YouTube now. I hope. Should. Should work out. We might uh, upgrade and increase things from here on out. We're just... Whatever makes it the easiest so that we can do it. Yeah. And if you don't like the podcast being on YouTube, that's okay. You don't have to watch it. But maybe let us know because if it's a general consensus that people don't like it. Yeah. Then we'll put it on your channel. Yeah, whatever. Okay, cool. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please give us a five-star review if you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on this episode, head over to my website, normal2nomad.com, which is linked in the show notes. And if you want to see what we're up to, visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Elsa Ray.